once again to Cold Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6 on your pod dial. Wherever in the world you are listening to us, midnight or morning, I'm your host, Django Nudo. And I am the smut peddler Nudo, because it's so hot where I am, so I'm podding <laughs> in, the, in the raw. <laughs> Yes, I'm, that's why I'm sitting slightly further away from you. But nevertheless, together, we, we are Cold Picks. Cold Picks. Echo, echo, echo. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's been a super exciting... Well, this is a super exciting week because, of course, Cold Picks is open to... The general public. Everyone. Yes, indeed. So after two months of operating all over the world, apart from maybe North Korea and Saudi Arabia and China, but you, um, but yes, so two months on from launch, we have taken the big step of now being open to everybody. So anybody who goes to coldpicks.com, send the link to your friends, relatives, mom, dad, uncle, whoever, um, can now sign up as long as they're over the age of 18. And you can also browse the entire site, which you haven't been able to do before. So you can actually check out the posters and read the texts. And it's first when you want to see a film that you're prompted to pay for it. Exactly, yes. And of course, we've got the guide, we've got the news, uh, we've got the theme week, and we're going to be adding lots and lots more things. So um, if you haven't already, then now is the chance really to explore the site and find out what it's all about before you decide whether to whip out that credit card uh, and join the cult picks. So that's been the good and exciting thing. Um, the other good thing I wanted to give a shout out to is the fact that in the last newsletter, uh, we asked for help or feedback in terms of how do people actually watch the films, not which films, but how do they watch them? Do they watch them on their tablet, laptop? Do they plug their computer into their big uh, LCD screen? Do they uh, cast it to uh, from one of their devices to one of their bigger screens? And we had tremendous feedback and we really appreciate people taking the time and telling us. Uh, and the good news is overall, touch wood, it seems to work. Should yeah, we and we worried? have received quite a lot of feedback from people who are very helpful with telling us what devices they use and how they work and and also coming up with all sorts of, of new ideas for us and, and you know generally helping out to, to making the quality even better of, of our service. Yeah, and one of them was even um, somebody who uh, QC'd and, and tested um, streaming apps for uh, Chromecast and Apple TVs. Like we couldn't, we couldn't have asked for kind of more knowledgeable uh, members to give us their feedback. But uh, we've we've spoken a lot about the C word uh, on Cold Picks Radio. That's Chromecast. Um, but it seems to be overall working. Um, apparently, older models uh, were sometimes not playing nice, but you know, touch wood, it overall seems to be working. If you have an issue, or even if you don't have an issue, drop us a line, info at cultpix.com, and tell us about what your problem is, preferably with screenshot and as much details on browsers and so on, because we do want to keep working on making the site better. And we've got a phase two development coming up, don't we, Smart Peddler? Yeah, we have a lot of improvements that we are going to implement. So we are, you know, we are looking out for our dear members to have the best service and the most user-friendly service available. 
Absolutely, and and things such as you know more visible subgenres, being able to do better text searches. Uh, one that I know you're excited about is the ability to have a picture gallery. So for this week's theme, there were so many great posters that it was a pity we could only use one for each film. But now we'll be able to display them all in their full glory. Yeah, the the aesthetics in the 30s are amazing for these films. Mm. So we're going to get to that in a minute, but um, you know that's something I thought we'd just highlight first. Um, and um, last but not least, I think it's also worth mentioning that a certain book had a big, big coverage in uh, Sweden's largest uh, broadsheet newspaper this past week. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that, Smut Peddler? I must say that that it, it was a big surprise. We we often complain that we are not part of of the the you know the the big distributors, the the big studios and whatever the establishment, and the establishment, and we are not definitely not part of the big uh, uh, publishers because we have our own little mm. publishing company. But the the book, do you believe in Swedish sin, which is a, a book of a, a, my poster collection with Swedish exploitation posters? got one-fourth of the first page, it got the whole cover of the Friday Supplement, and it got three full pages in the Friday Supplement with tons of posters and illustrations, and it just looked like a big smorgasbord of smut. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Smorgasbord of smut. Yeah, and and I mean... It doesn't matter what the text was because people will look at the images and think, wow, I need that book. So very, very happy about that. Of course, it's like like Playboy. No, I bought it to read it. Yeah, not for the pictures. For the articles, yeah. (laughs) For the articles, yeah. Norman Mailer article, of course. Um, But yeah, it it was an amazing spread and I hope it does wonders for the sales. And of course, it's now selling in the UK as well. I just saw an email earlier today. Um, So we need to get it into more, more bookshops and more outlets. Yeah, I think it has UK distribution in both bookshops and to libraries. So let's hope the libraries will pick it up as well. (laughs) Yes, everybody should have one. It is this year's coffee table book and next Mm. year's. So, is and now you're being for... objective about it. Of course, we are. Mm. Totally, you are totally not blowing our own horn, but you know we are shameless self-promoters. So, self-promote we do. Anyway, enough about books. Back to films. So, um, unless there's anything else exciting this week that we've forgotten to cover, um, I think it's time to talk about the theme week a little bit before we play a clip from the first film. So. What can you tell us about the theme week this week? Yeah, this was a very spontaneous thing. We, you know, looking through our our library of films, we stumbled across, well, not really stumbled, but we really found out that there are tons and tons of titles with one certain theme, and that is the theme of drugs. 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 Dope. Dope. Narcotics. Addiction. Jazz tobacco. <laughs> well, we'll wait till we get into the varieties, but yes, um, apparently the devil's lettuce, you know, we could oh, just that's lovely. Yeah, spend good, good word. Yeah. A whole yeah. podcast, you know, do, doing all the different names for uh, Mary Jane and her siblings. But it's, all, it's obviously a very, a very, uh, a very good theme for exploiters. 
It is. And what amazed me is initially, like I said, we started out, we found out we had all these films in our collection. We thought, well, we'll package it. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And we realized, well, hang on, that's a drug film as well. And that's a drug comedy. And suddenly mm. we're like, it, it's almost too much. So, you know, we kill build it into part one and part two. And then the question was, how do we, well, how do we divide them up um, mm. this way? Alphabetically, by drug? Warning or positive? Documentary or fictional drama? And mm. where do you draw the line? Yeah. Should it be, uh, the, you know, by year? It, there are so many ways of cutting the cake. It really was a, a smorgasbord of, of narcotics and, and bad stuff. But um, in the end, what we decided to do is that we were going to do a little bit of a historical uh, and thematical tour through drug exploitation and drug warning films starting in the 1930s and working our way so initially the first volume was going to be 1930s until 1960s so the pre and the post-war years before we got into the kind of hippie to yuppie years from the 1960s to the 1980s which again each had their own kind of different feel to the kind of druggy films that were released and that seems a pretty natural way of, of splitting them up i think yeah, absolutely. But <clears throat> I think we ended up with at least 20 films all in all. So it's it's a huge thing. And I kept discovering new ones. And then there was, you know, US TV movies, which mm. I would have loved to have included one of which Warner Brothers. But anyway, so we're going to be talking about it this week. And we're going to be talking drug exploitation films next week. But before we play the first clip, I think it's worth, um, you know, mentioning the fact that, of course, these kind of moral panics are nothing new and, and drugs, marijuana is just but one of the many, many things that will corrupt the youth and, and do bad things to society. Yeah, I think it started out in, in um, Athens and I'm not talking about Athens, Georgia, <laughs> but uh, they were complaining about the long haired youth who was uh, lazy and didn't want to work and was... Uh, you know, nasty Didn't listen to their, to their parents. parents. You know. Yes. <laughs> and it, then that, it went yeah. on from that until, you know, until this day. But, I mean, thinking of examples we have in, 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 in our native Sweden, we have the lovely word mm. Dansbane Elende, which is yes, hard I didn't to know translate. About this. But that was already a hundred years ago where where they said that the, the, the devil's weed was not the devil's weed but it was the devil's dancing going to the dance hall on friday night because that could lead to a lot of bad things and and this was way before rock and roll or jazz yeah and the this jazz a... craze of course <laughs> but i mean this is fairly you know folksy music you know it's got a bit of swing to it but there's um yeah and of course then we had the the penny dreadfuls you know the cheaply printed uh horror stories which predated the moral panic about comic books and uh, it's just one thing after yeah. the next and then it led on to video nasties in the more modern age and you know internet porn and, and everything else that will make you blind and um and so obviously you, you know, yeah and corrupt you and, and of course we do appreciate that drugs and addiction are a serious matter but let's not forget there are legal drugs and there are illegal drugs and which ones do more harm? I don't know. The prescription ones don't seem to have been too good lately. Yeah, and then looking at at how uh, how drugs have been depicted in films, 
that has been a wonderful way for producers and directors to show a lot of other stuff that's not directly connected with the drugs. And this is, of course, the key part of why we are talking about this, because drugs uh, were really the first kind of moral panic that left a lasting imprint on the big screen. You know, nobody made films about people reading um, comic books or Penny Dreadfuls and being or making dance hall music crazes and, and, you know, it corrupting them. But, you know, it, it was the first one really to... Um, you know, create this own kind of genre. And, and then we'll talk about how that genre eventually took off. But shall we, is it time to play the first clip of the day? I know what you want. You want to kill me. You're crazy. Take it easy, kid. I just want to talk to you. Well, that was, of course, the granddaddy or grandma of all the druggy films, which is? It's, um, well, I think this title was basically invented later than the <laughs> film itself, but it's famous for the title Reefer Madness. Yes, it went by so many different titles. I was going to test it out, and I'm not going to make you recite them all, but yeah, tell your children, doped youth. Um, it really was, you know, as as many different names as marijuana itself. Yeah, um, and it went on a, in road shows for many many years. It had revivals over and over and over again. Well, this is the fun and interesting history. So it's not really one film. It's it's sort of an ever-mutating film, which began as a serious warning film, uh, partly funded by church groups about the evils of marijuana, the devil's um, lettuce, or um, and which then effectively was hijacked, I think you could say, by these uh, this exploitation distributor who decided that there's definitely an audience for it, um, of moral outrage, but also people who are looking for a bit of titillation. So he promptly added in more scenes. We know this old trick. Um, and proceeded to come up with even more exploitative posters and road trips and everything to just drum up the interest, drum up the outrage, and drum up the box office takings for years and years and years. I mean, this was not a time when films had much of a lifespan after the initial release, unless they were gone with the wind, did they? No, I mean, the, the film was really a, a, you know, look at it and throw it away. That's why there are so many films lost these days, because no one believed that they had a life after, you know, the f premiere. And also why so many of them are poor quality, because these prints were literally dragged all the way across the country, back and forth, and, you know, on, on cars and trucks and, and roadshow tents, um, screenings, not just, you know, regular cinemas. So anywhere where people could be outraged or warned about, you know, the danger to their kids. Yeah. And obviously there was... Also, always something added to the films apart from from people smoking but they mm. they claim that the smoking made you 
insane or made you a killer, but also very sexually active. So we're, there's lots of lingerie, oh, yeah. isn't it? And and you know, yes, cleavages. Lots in of these films. Glimpses of stockings, kids having way too much fun. You know, none of this just sort of passing out on the couch and then having munchies for you know chocolate and the cookies in the cupboard. It's it's always something much more fiendish than that. But. Um, and it's an interesting time. It came out, obviously, it was made in 1936 before going through these permutations. But that was an interesting time uh, legally in terms of both dope and films, wasn't it? Because it was the start of or just after the Hayes Office Code, which yeah. did what to films. Yeah, I mean, the Hayes Office was the, the, the unofficial but very effective censorship in Hollywood. And that was sort of the moral majority who decided what, how long a kiss could be on screen and, and how much mm. leg you can show and stuff like that. But in terms of the, uh, the drug scare films, they could get away with more because these were didactic films. So, so yes. the t- titillating stuff was there as a warning, but it was still you know, exciting for people who didn't see that much skin in the movies anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know, it was it was for a good cause. Therefore, you could get away with all this, yeah. and and of course, it came at a time when marijuana <laughs> was legal. You know, let's not forget cocaine, opium. There were times you could all buy it in the drugstore, and, and marijuana was for sale. Um, I don't know, gas stations, tobaccoists, mm. I assume. So. But that all changed then, didn't it? In, 19, in the late 30s, when they introduced, they didn't outlaw it as such. I didn't realize this. They just slapped like a massive tax on it. So you could buy, you know, a, a cigarette, but the tax was something ridiculous, like $100. So, of course, to all effects and purposes, if you were selling it and you weren't charging this ridiculous tax, then you were breaking the law. So it was as good as outlawed. Yeah. And there were so many other parts of society that were involved in this because. Uh, there were claims that, especially from from you know, politicians and 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 authorities, that uh, it was the Mexicans who brought the the drugs in, and uh, they they corrupted the fine white kids, and also African Americans mm. were you know also part of of this and and accused of being you know. Well, we drug definitely dealers. get into that, but let's well let's play another clip and this one from marijuana weed with roots in hell you're always going to have champagne (laughs) and you're going to have plenty you're right i was born for the good things just as well as that sister of mine (laughs) take it from me tony i'm going to get enough money to make that sister of mine look like a piker (laughs) can i take it You're doing all right, Blondie. The way your marijuana customers are hooked on the stronger stuff, uh, like H and C, you'll soon be ice queen of the snow peddlers. So as you were saying before the clip, there was a clear political agenda as well in terms of stamping out marijuana and in terms of that much of it was directed against um, Latinos, um, African-Americans and the kind of working class um, who enjoyed it, presumably, and, and sold it to. Yeah, what and this, I mean, this is a recurring theme in the films as well. If you if you take a look at these films, the films are very similar, many of these 30s films. Mm. But you often have the the drug dealer with this pencil thin mustache and back slick, often with an unmistakable Hispanic accent. Yes, 
So you can Very see that also in, in fiction that they wanted to, to use this. Mm. <clears throat> yes. No, it, it is. It's almost as if they made them from a template and didn't have much of an imagination. But um, And it's it's funny just i mean obviously they're very comical and we'll we'll talk about why it is that they turned from um warning to exploitation to comedy um but speaking of this kind of corrupting america's youth my, i think my favorite is devil's harvest um where the drug dealer is using a hot dog stand to sell his you know evil poison to these kids so you you don't get much more anti-american than that it's a good symbol for the innocent <laughs> traditional food. Definitely, yeah. Hot dogs good for you, but yeah, weed very bad for you. Um, so yeah, and and also other tropes that kept cropping up in this: the fact that they did have these scenes of you know after the kids smoked, injected, sniffed, whatever, they start having way too much fun exposing flesh and and going skinny dipping and and all sorts of other things, but. There was always also that strange comic relief that kept popping up in all the films. Yeah, I mean, these were serious films, but they also always had some some fat dude or a funny old lady or something to to mm. give some comic relief. And, and it, it's very hard to understand what the idea was with those. But, you know, maybe it was something of a trope that was in regular feature films like comedies and, and even dramas had their own little someone slipping on a banana skin yeah well obviously they were made quickly they were made cheaply and they weren't going to put too much resources or thinking into them because they knew what sold and it wasn't a sophisticated plot yeah. it was putting the sin on the screen the vice and the poster should we talk <coughs> about the posters yeah. indeed uh, could should we maybe listen to a, a clip from one of the films that has a beautiful poster namely assassin of youth I'm not what you think I am. I'm a reporter assigned to this town to get a story. Remember those two men we saw near the filling station that night? Yes. Well, I recognized one of them as a narcotic peddler, and the one who's passing the stuff is your cousin, Linda. Linda? Are you sure? Yes, I made a buy from her last night. Well, you've got your story. Why don't you send it in? But it's more than a story, Joan. Terrible things are happening to young people like your sister all over the country. I know that Linda gave her that stuff, but it's only my word against hers. If these boys and girls won't admit it when they're so sick, why, what chance have I got to prove it? Joan, you've got to help me get more evidence. So obviously the clip doesn't do the poster full justice, but what was amazing about this poster is just obviously the 30s were great for poster design anyway whether it was hong king kong or or other ones but quite a lot of effort went into making these stylish and seductive yeah and they always have um, most of them have a, a woman who's very scantily clad and that really doesn't yes. have anything to do with the drugs does it obviously marijuana makes you strip off and have fun mm. Yeah, that was the idea. It's but the only obviously that also lured the audiences in. Yes, <coughs> and you know, especially when she's um you know, tiltily she's she's you know, leaning back or in amorous grip of, of some dope fiend and my favorite is also the fact um you know the the religious aspect of this because it's not just that it's bad for your health, bad for your morals, but you know, this is this is the work of the evil one isn't it yeah. it's the yeah. devil himself behind it indeed you know? 
And they recycled the devil on two of the posters, I realized when I was collecting them and putting them on. I mean, literally, they must have track and trace or they must have, you know, retraced the original devil for two film posters that were almost 10 years apart. Um, one of which was, um, with the later one, which was the uh, Cocaine Fiends. Yeah, uh, from 1935, and then also cropped up in the same in um, Devil's Harvest. Devil's Harvest. That's same it, yes. devil. Same devil. Yeah, <laughs> there is only but one. But he's devil, actually obviously. blue in one of the posters and green on the other. And green in the other one. Yes. Mm. Again, wonderful use of colors in the posters. And yeah. if you haven't seen them, um, obviously check out uh, Cult Picks uh, for the post, but also check out our. Facebook, Instagram, and and Twitter feeds where we've put up these posters yeah, we side by side, so you there. can enjoy them. We do, but we're going to put even more on the website now that we've got the um, function of, of adding a picture gallery. So yeah. But of course, it wasn't just uh, marijuana, although that was the biggest one. I mean, there was mentions of of cocaine, and we did even get into opium or heroin as well in some of these. Yeah, and and jazz. We haven't talked about jazz. No, jazz must have been, if this was the devil's letters, jazz must have been the devil's music. Again, is is it that racist connection of linking drugs to, you know, African-Americans, to, to the whole subculture that the kids might be enjoying too much without their parents' consent? Probably. I mean, this is, of course, this, it's the same thing with the, with the youth rebellion in the 50s with rock and roll, that uh, the kids had their own music and the grown-ups thought it was wild. But, I mean, to us, it's kind of tame music. But at that time, mm. it was ecstatic. You know, the saxophone was uh, was prohibited in some states in the US because it had this no, sexual uh, meaning that, that. That, that women got excited from the sound of the saxophone. Oh, sexy yeah. is too sexy. Yeah, I and I, I wonder that. why we haven't seen any saxophone warnings films. Mm, that would they be must fun. be some somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So I think that jazz but, was definitely thought of as, as something that was also corrupting the youth. And, and all of these things together, you know, sex before marriage, smoking dope, you know, f- having fights, listening to jazz. Mm. All of that was, uh, yeah, the youth was going to hell. Well... Shall we talk a little bit about how it was that these films became cult films? Because after, even though they went on tour in the 50s, I think they were pretty much forgotten by the 1960s when they had different types of, of um, you know, druggy um, films and so on. But And this is fascinating because I did not know this until I started digging deeper and that these films were rediscovered by um, somebody from an organization called Normal, N-O-R-M-L, which is an advocacy group for legalizing uh, and decriminalizing uh, recreational drug use. And um, so he started screening these films on college campuses as a way to raise money for normal. And obviously the stoners in the 19, this is early 1970s, got a huge kick out of you know, laughing along and, and watching these films, obviously probably having had ingested something, smoked something, or worse. Um, and then it became discovered that the um, these films were in public domain again, so it became that much easier to distribute them, and especially Reefer Madness. I mean, th- this is how that film came to embody everything about 
culty about the drug exploitation um, films. Yeah, it's it? it's it's really the 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 Rocky Horror Picture Show of, of drug films, isn't it? Mm, it has its own it cult, is. <clears throat> and it went on for a long I, time. I think at these midnight screenings. I think we did them even when I was at college in the 90s, but mm. of course we played them off VHS by that stage or rather than Super 8 or 16 yeah. or, or 35. But, I mean, it's it, Reefer Madness itself has had a remarkable um, career in terms of becoming part of the popular culture um, beyond just you know the original film itself. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw you had studied up on it. There are different versions. Yeah, there are different versions, but also it became a musical. It became a you know a stage play. It became a TV version as well. You know, all played for for laughs rather than you know seriously. Amazing, yeah. And uh, it was colorized, uh, reissued by a number of um, I think 20th Century Fox put. I, I'm pretty sure something weird. I think as one of the DVDs, it's been. Uh, restored so it's remarkable i mean i don't think anybody who was involved in the making of this film could ever have thought that it was going to go on to have such an afterlife no it's it's crazy and i mean there are so many of these films from the 30s and talking about well weed is one thing but then i i think we have a clip from another drug movie about another drug and yes. let's listen to a little bit from cocaine fiends no not jane there isn't any more, Jane. I'm Lil, a gangster's discarded mall. Do you understand that, Eddie? No one must ever connect me with Jane Bradford. Oh, but what are you doing here? The city. I came to find you and, and take you home. You must get away. Back to the country in sunshine. It isn't too late for you. Yes, yes, yes we'll go home now. No. No, it's too late for me. Girls can't come back. That was the Cocaine Fiends, also known as The Pace That Kills, which is a title that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, what pace? The pace that you sniff it? Or do you freebase? I don't question. know. Yeah. I'm genuinely... <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. No, no, no. You're doing it too fast. It's killing you. You don't slow down. you yeah. got to pace yourself. <laughs> Actually, that's probably good advice. Pace yourself with the drug intake. So that's don't true. overdose. That's true. But, um, yes, now we're up to um, moving swiftly on to the 1940s. And obviously, everything took a pause in terms of uh, worry about drugs when you worried about Nazis during the war. But then after the war, as, as prosperity kicked in and, and kids became rebellious again, they, uh, there were new fears that came along, um, not just for marijuana, but more serious drugs as well. Mm. And this is where we come to the first and probably best anti-drug film if you can call it that in our collection which is the man with a golden arm so i mean where do you start with a film like this well you start off by saying that it was directed by otto preminger who is one of, of the yes. you know best hollywood directors at the time 1955 yes. and also starring kim novak but of course in the lead part and in his best role i believe is yes. uh, old blue eyes himself frank sinatra yeah. yes and it really is i think and he himself considered it to be his best role he won the oscar for from here to eternity for best supporting actor but he went on record uh, i think a saying is that he deserved an oscar more for this film than he did for that film and of course in this one he's an aspiring 
musician, jazz drummer, um, who uh, is an addict and gets so gets clean, comes out, but then falls in with his old gang and uh, is also shackled by his former girlfriend who pretends to be still suffer from an injury that he was responsible for. And, you know, he's, he's held back from his dream and ambition until Kim Novak, who is a you know, brothel madam, or is a strip club, strip club, mm. encourages him to kind of pursue his dream and, and leave the bad life behind. But yeah. there's just so much that's amazing about this film from, like I said, direction, the acting, um, the music. I mean, we have to talk about the music. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great score. Uh, Elmer Bernstein's finest, and the opening title track is familiar to everybody. So we're going to end uh, the episodes of Cult Picks by playing a bit of that. But um, and of course the brilliant uh, design as well of the poster and also the opening sequence by Saul Bass. Yeah, famous who, uh, for a lot of Hitchcock movies. Definitely famous for Hitchcock movies. You know, the titles dropping uh, on North by Northwest along the side of the skyscraper. And, you know, he was also probably played a big part in um, the shower sequence in Psycho, mm. it's suspected. Um, but this one is, is really iconic and it reflected on the posters more than anything. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Saul Bass was a big influence for myself in my, um, in my other job. Uh, oh. at Celluloid Junkie. When we redesigned it and came up with a new logo, we decided to go for this mid-century uh, feel, and a lot of that was inspired by Soul Bass. So the CJ logo is, you know, strongly comes from that area. That's cool. That's awesome. So shall Should we listen to uh, Frank Sinatra having been locked in by Kim Novak and suffering from a horrible case of cold turkey? Frankie, answer me. Are you all right? Don't think you can fool me into opening this door because I'm not going to. Are you all right, Frankie? Please answer me. Molly, if you love me, kill me, please. Oh, I'm so cold. I'm so cold. So cold. Make me warm, please. Oh, please warm me. Molly. Well, that's primo acting. Definitely Oscar worthy. Yeah. So. And it's um, it's a beautiful copy that we have as well on Cold Picks because it has been restored and, and you know it's just everything about it in terms of the um, camera work, the designs. You know, this is a completely different league to all the other drug exploitation films, although a druggy theme. Yeah, you, know, you can't call um, it an exploitation <clears throat> film as such. And maybe we should just as a, a comparison go to another movie made the same year. 1955 called Teenage Devil Dolls, which is sort AKA of a s- one-way, ticket one-way ticket to hell. hell and back. No, that's no. another song. Um, no, this is a is. semi or quasi documentary style teenage drama. And mm. there has, I, I love this quote from Slime Time. They call it <laughs> an obscure anti drug, anti juvenile delinquent, anti rebellion morality story, all told in not so glorious dragnet style narration. 
Yes, I don't think they had money to do recording on site for um, you know the actual uh, dialogue. So, uh, and there was an equally uh, scathing review from the New York Times at when the film came out originally. And of course, uh, it says there's sensationalism implicit in the title. One way to get to hell, hardly evident in this depiction of drug addiction and narcotics traffic. A case history of a young girl's descent into enslavement to the habit. Uh, but on the other hand, it does have some very cool music by uh, Robert Rasnin. So again, you know what it lacks for in you know story plot or dialogue. At least it's got. You know, that cool music. Later that same day at an old abandoned stadium just outside of town, Cassandra encountered one of the most damaging aspects of many of today's youthful gang associations. Reefers, marijuana. One of the lesser narcotics whose use often constitutes the first faltering step toward addiction to the harder drugs. And now as the newest member of this gang of kids to whom the use of marijuana had become the big time thing, Cassandra found herself the target of one of the most devastating social pressures existing among our teenage population today, conformity to the group pattern. I think I have a great segue here going into the next film, which goes into the next week's theme week of drug exploitation, and that is the film Smoke and Flesh from 1968, which doesn't have any direct dialogue either where you can see people nope. speaking with lip sync because that's like mm-hmm. a very good way of of, of you know uh, not spending so much money is that you always see a person from the back when they're speaking yeah not seeing uh, their face and lips but this thing of, of not having dialogue that's quite a common thing actually for exploitation films i mean if we think of susanne um, mm, you know, the yeah. morning film we discussed about traffic accident again no dialogue voiceover narration so let's finish with um, listening to a clip from Smoke and Flesh from 1968 oh man that's what my head needed right doctor So, before we leave the drugs behind for this week anyway, do we want to give a little um, talk about what we're going to be getting into next week with the drug films? Absolutely. I think I think that you made an excellent selection of where we should divide the two themes. Yep. And that's going from hippies. pre-war to post-war and then moving into the kind of hippie era. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to this because this comes up to the era that I myself remember, not the hippie era, but of course the just say no era of, of Reagan and and the 80s and um all those the war against drugs. So yeah. The war against drugs, yes. Um, never figured out who won that one, but <laughs> exactly, you know, maybe we'll yeah. find out when we talk about it next week. Yeah, But we also so, can see from the titles that, that the word acid comes back over and over again. 
Yes, and, you know, there's just so much more drugs on offer next week. I mean, forget just weeds with um, a side helping of um, cocaine and uh, dope. We're, we're going to be having LSD. We're going to be having mushrooms. Heroin. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's all on offer there. I, crack? I don't know if we have any crack no, films, no. but, you know. But it, it's it's tough for us to have have all these drugs, but we're taking this for the team, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we have to we're doing it for our members you know we yeah. got to remember it's not for our enjoyment it's a dirty job but someone has to do it it's a higher purpose now don't bogart that joint pass it over i think we're probably you know overdosed now for um one week and one cold mixed radio on films is there anything else we should add before we're, is there one more line no i think that uh, that overdosed on drug movies is a very good way of ending it <laughs> let's let's see them hungry for more uh mm. next week when we talk some further with um the 60s 70s and 80s of drug film but why don't we finish by listening to a clip from the sublime score for the man with a golden arm by none other than elmer bernstein let's thank you very much for us from me django nudo the smart peddler in the nude Until next week, that's all from us here at Cult Mix Radio. Take care.